On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. All right. Okay, now I'll actually do my job. Let's All go. Right. This is Talk and Audio. We're not here to take part. We're here to take over. Nice to be back in the garden, eh? Woo! Hello and welcome to Tall Can Audio. I am Michaela. He is Matt. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Tall Can Audio. Matt, how you doing today? It's good. Things are good. Everything's good. Just pandemic good. Just keep on keeping on. All those sorts of things. <laughs> yeah, pandemic good. I, I like that. Uh, that is, is, what's the word I'm turn looking for? Turn of phrase or, or like uh, specificity. I don't know. We all have uh, that. clearly pa- the pandemic has taken my ability to find words in my brain. Pandemic um, good, but yeah, good, good during the pandemic yeah, is like a different speaking, level, right? Yeah. yeah, it's like well, I have my health. So aside from your uh, struggling with the turn of phrase, how are you doing? Not too bad. Yeah. Not too bad. I mean, yeah, pandemic good. Okay, la- better than I was last week. I'll tell you that much. The nice. last few weeks, I think I, I mentioned it uh, last week, but like you know the. The messaging coming out of hospitals has not been overwhelmingly positive uh, for the last few weeks. And and it seems that we're, I don't want to say anything solid, but, you know, we're, we're not in that phase anymore. And so I'm not having to constantly draft statements about how dire the situation is. So yeah, you're kind of wearing it, eh? Like not much gets through without you having to put your hands on it. And it's Ugh, rarely been good news. It's now I know, like one of the, my the, the main things you read about how to like maintain your wellness during yes. the pandemic is limit the amount of news you consume. <laughs> and I'm like, but that's my job. Like I, I Not literally just have it, to but do to punt it out to the rest of us. <laughs> exactly. Like I, I have to do a media Hello, review me every again, single day of bad news. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have to do a media review every single day and it's like healthcare focused. Yeah. So it, it has not been good for the last 14 months. <laughs> and like it, that's how I start my day every day. It's just like, Oh, what is on fire today? Yes. Um, and, and that, that dumpster fire has been a little less burning, uh, you know, ragingly burning anyway. I got excited uh, to see the, uh, the announcement there for, you know, we're only a week or two away now from, they're going to open the, uh, open the floodgates on the, the vaccines for everybody, right? Just go ahead and Hell yeah. let them all in at this point. Just come get it. I love that. And, and I, I fully supported and, and still do for whatever it's worth. The idea that you started at the most high risk and the, you know, the higher age groups and all these sorts of things, and it's made its way down. But I kind of feel like those people have had their chance now, right? You've had enough time if you want to do this to do this. And if you decide now that you want to do it, you can get in line with the 30-year-old or whatever's going to happen yeah. there. And uh, yeah. I'm happy to see it. I, I, I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be great to see, you know, this next generation get their shot at uh, 
you know, I, I think we talked about this on the show before that, you know, there's a group of people that weren't sure they were kind of vaccine shopping, whether or not they were going to do this or not. And then woke up one morning in competition for online bookings with a group of generation who grew up with the internet, internet, right? Like yep. grew up doing the Ticketmaster thing, um, these sorts of things. So it's time. Let everybody have a shot at it. It's time to go. Open up the floodgates, get those vaccines in arms. Get it in you. I'm I'm very much looking forward to what's going to happen when the 30 plus group can get vaccinated because, you know, move over Gen X. Yes. Because the millennials, if you think you knew how to work the internet, (laughs) millennials didn't just do Ticketmaster. We also moved to mobile and we can do it from multiple platforms. Multiple tabs open on multiple devices. This is getting crazy for sure. You Uh, think your attention spans short? We can multitask on the internet (laughs) like nobody's business. Let's do this. We've we've been the ones getting our grandparents and parents vaccinated and booked for Lord only knows how long. So there's going to be Snapchat bookings coming right at you. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You just wait till Gen Z gets in there. It's going to be all on TikTok or something. I don't know what the kids do these days. Are you Um, on the TikTok? Do you do the TikTok thing? I was, um, but then I had to delete it because (laughs) I was getting absolutely nothing done in my life. Uh, It is the crazy, you open it and then like four months go by and you look up. Okay. Like, like you get lost in this stupid app watching absolutely nothing. Right. Like, it's funny. I, I liked it because especially I think I, I want to say I downloaded around this time last year, like where we were really in the thick of it with like, okay, we're not getting none of this anytime soon. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of like a nice distraction. You know uh, what I need is another social media feed. <laughs> well, exactly. That That's part of the reason I deleted it. Was I, I was like, you know, clearly doom scrolling is not <laughs> the most effective coping mechanism. And this is just an extension of that. Although, like, you know, it, there's a lot of funny stuff yes. on TikTok. And that's why I liked it. But now, because, again, millennials will do anything to kind of make things more comfortable for them on the internet. We've moved it. Like all the content that's on TikTok is on Instagram. Right. Okay. So I just scroll through the reels on Instagram and I can find all the TikToks. All right. See, I didn't do it. I had one buddy tell me, um, who's far more into the tech scene than I am and knows his shit and whatever. And I said, uh, I was asking him what it was. And he said, um, well, first I asked my younger cousin, she's about 15 years younger than me for the podcast. And I had no idea what it was. I said, does TCA need to be on TikTok. She's like, God, no, like just don't even, I was like, all right, fair enough. Um, but you need to know, right? Like, is this a place to advertise shows? And she's like, unless you're going to dance or like wrestle our dog or something, no, you don't need to be there. I, since I had no plans to do either of those things, uh, I stayed off of it, but I asked my buddy, I'm like, what is this thing? Like, how does it work? And he goes, well, first what you do is you email the Chinese government, your social insurance <laughs> number and <laughs> all your passwords. And then that's it. That's basically what you got. <laughs> I was like, Okay, I don't know that I really need to do that, right? Because I guess at the beginning, there was some kind of controversy about it being Chinese state-owned or something, and Donald Trump was going to outlaw the TikToks, and I I don't know, whatever was going on there. But uh, I decided, you know, I have enough of them. I don't even like Instagram. Again, it's only a place that exists, you know, at Tall Can Audio on Instagram only exists for the sake of the podcast. (laughs) Otherwise, I don't really want to be there. So I didn't need another one. Um, But... uh, I do understand that I'm old and curmudgeonly and not particularly fun and everybody else is having a good time with it. So to each their own, I guess. That uh, tick, this is why TikTok is interesting for me because it is the, 
in my experience, it is the first app that millennials went, what, what is this? <laughs> like it's the first time millennials have needed Gen Z to explain something <laughs> to us. And like, like, like one of the, one of the jokes on, on TikTok is like, Oh, then the millennials got in and, yeah. it, and it got weird. Like Just all the like parents Facebook, came in. Facebook was new. And then, exactly. yeah, then your mom showed up on Facebook. Oh, right. <laughs> Party's TikTok over. is, is the, like, this is what made millennials realize we're old. Okay. Yeah. I get so that. That's all right. That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. Anyway, now that we've put everyone in a great mood, uh, what beer are you drinking today, Matt? So I think I've had this on the show before. I can't remember, but um, I had two bottles of it and there's only one now. So at some point I have drank the other one. I just can't remember if it was on the podcast or not. This is from... Must have been real good. Yeah. uh, 7%. uh, It's from the Covered uh, Covered Bridge Brewing Company. And this is a chocolate orange imperial stout. Uh, barrel aged for whatever that's worth to you people. Um, I, like I said, I do think I've had it before on the show, uh, but I can't remember for sure. And, uh, honestly, I'm getting close. It's dangerous. Hey, when you can see the back wall of your beer fridge, you're like, uh Oh, like time to, time to get after this. So can't let that happen. All right. And so I know at some point there was a second bottle. I know I drank that second bottle and, and was saving this one for something, but, uh, turns out it was for today's show. What do you got going on? Well, Oh, no, it's not working. Oh, no. Hang on. There we go. All right. Because see, mine was a bottle, had to pre-pour it. Yeah, like it was, we were counting on you to come through with that. Yeah, and uh, just like I did at the beginning of the podcast, I delivered. Yes. So you are welcome, (laughs) listeners. Uh, I am. So actually, speaking of Covered Bridge, we we picked up from Covered Bridge over the weekend for the first time, and I want to say like five years. Oh, wow. I have not had Covered Bridge beer in a long time. They some nice stuff there, too, like. And they like their orange. Yes. Okay. Like yeah. they we got the orange stash smash and we got the orange yes. blonde ale. Okay. I don't know what the orange stash smash is yet. Uh, haven't tried that. Uh, but we did try the orange blonde ale and it was good. It was, it, you know, the orange. There must was, be a build on because it was something else. It was just called the mustache smash. So the, the orange stash smash must be like a takeoff on. Yeah. Cause I think the stash mustache smash is their IPA. Yes. So this must be like a, a, even citrus, Ooh, citrusier, citrusier. <laughs> IPA. <laughs> All right. <laughs> too citrus, too furious. Yes. Oh, nice. Um, there you go. Uh, but yes. So yesterday we went to Ridge Rock Brewing Company uh, for their taco special because it was Cinco de Mayo and they That's had true, tacos. Yeah. And so we got some dinner from them and I picked up some beer. And I believe we have talked about the Sprockvik yeah. beer. I had that. We Rock. had some fun uh, trying to pronounce it. TCA. Yeah. Yes. So this Sprukvik. is the older brother, oh. uh, they're calling it, of Sprukvik, okay. and I'm going to attempt to pronounce it, and it is called Letkvik, it's less I think. Fun. It's less fun. It's L-E-T-T, okay. new word, K-V-E-I-K. Yep. So that's it's the same Kvik, but... Kvik. Yes. But Again, there's not a lot of countries that can make the K and the V <laughs> go together. <laughs> But here we are. Um, and I actually have not tried this before. I picked up a couple of them yesterday just to give it a try. Uh, have not had it. So uh, we're going to give it a try today. And so tell us about this one. Sorry, maybe you did. It's a, it's not an so, IPA. No, it's no. not. So the, the Sprokvik was yeah. like a Norwegian yeah. pale or a Norwegian lager ale or That's something. Right. So I will read the description to All you, right. Matt. Sure. Let is an adjective, mm-hmm. meaning easy and light. 
Okay. Another experimental Norwegian lagered ale with a very particular Kvik yeast strain. <laughs> the version turned out slightly, this version turned out slightly hazier, drier, and more bitter than its big brother, Spro. Okay, sorry. This is the little brother okay. to Spro Kvik, not big brother. False advertising. <laughs> uh, light to medium body, finishes with a sharp herbal bitterness. And one sip so far, it is a little bitter. It's not hazy. No. It's very clear, but it's 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 pretty tasty. I'm not going to lie. Like it's it's I I I drink more. This has got okay. that kind of eastern european flavor to it. Yeah. Nice and clean, crisp, but like got good flavor. Yeah. This is tasty. Nice. All right. Well, I'm it's happy. It's my official here. review. Yes. Tasty. <laughs> uh which you can find more of at Crafted in the Capital. Um Ooh. I gotta, no. I gotta bring it up, gotta bring it up, because oh, no. uh, a week ago, you kicked off the show by pointing out that the Ottawa Senators were still alive, still kicking. Mm-hmm. They are no yep. longer alive, no longer. They're well, they're still kicking, but they're not alive. They are, uh, they are now they're eliminated. They're still doing things. They are. They're still winning. They, they are. beat Montreal five one last night, which was awesome. But yeah, yeah, they are no longer. They are mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. Which, to be honest. That happened in January. It's been a foregone conclusion since the <laughs> two and ten start or whatever it was. But that I said, let, I did let it. Sorry yeah. to divert, but I let it. I, I let it get to me last week just for a second. I was like, "What if? What if this happened?" And then they lost. So don't have hopes and dreams, no, people. Um, anyway, continue your thought. Trying is the first step towards failure, uh, <laughs> if I recall correctly. I'm curious. Because I've had this discussion on the podcast with Rob before, but I don't think I've ever asked you. And there was a time as a Leaf guy where almost, now they were in very different positions. The Leafs were trying to win, but were awful. And they would kind of get eliminated in like mid-February and then take off on a tear that meant nothing um, other than to ruin your draft positioning. But it couldn't be like you badly wanted to read it as like, okay, like look how good they're playing next year. We're going to be so, you know, but the, there was never that carryover. It was just the pressures off. Nobody's taking you seriously anymore and you have nothing to play for. So you just go out and get it done kind of thing. The Sens are in a different position because they're, they are young and they are rebuilding and they do have like all these young pieces that it presumably will be better again next year. I, I get it's not always completely linear. Sometimes the sophomore thing sneaks up on guys. But how seriously should we take this? I, I think since like February 5th, February 10th, they have like the top, a top three record in the North division uh, in that same time frame just across the league. They're like 15th best, which isn't lighting the world on fire, but would sneak you into a playoff spot. How serious should we be taking this run that they're on right now in terms of carryover for next year, making predictions? Or is there a little bit of that? Well, the pressure's been off since February 5th. So, you know, like what, what's the balance there? What do we, what do we think of this stretch and what it means moving forward? I mean, I sit somewhere in the middle. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not looking at this going, because like, let's hearken back to 2011 when the Sens were in a lottery position and kind of started winning at the end of the season and, and it ended up affecting their their yes. draft lottery. They got sixth overall, which was Mika Zibanejad, but we won't get into that. Oh, we will um, soon. We'll be talking. We will about soon. It. Yes, <laughs> that's bad. true. Yep. Um, but, you know, 
I remember there was a part of me that was like, oh, Bobby Butler. Let me tell you, <laughs> this kid, he is going to be so good next yeah. year. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah. And that went well. So, <laughs> you know, there, I've got that floating around in my brain. But it's not like, like Bobby Butler was not Timmy Stutzler. No. Right? Like there was no, he came out of nowhere. People are like, who the hell is this Bobby Butler kid? Oh, he's playing on a line with Jason Spezza. No wonder he's scoring. Sure. Um, so, you know, the, the makeup of this team is much different than back then where it was it was piecemeal after they had gotten rid of most of their players and, and tore everything down. You know, this is we're looking at the bulk of the core that that is going to go forward with this team. Mm-hmm. Brady Kachuk, Thomas Shabbat, Josh Norris, Nick Paul, Tim Stutzla. And so I think there's something to be said for what they're doing and maybe not necessarily necessarily on the ice but the chemistry they're building while they're winning the bonds they're creating the the just in general yep. the, the team building they're doing by by winning like this and I'll, and I'll say this I know okay it, it's easy to say at the end of the season no wonder this bottom feeder team is is winning a lot the, no one expects anything of them yep. every other team around them isn't trying as hard because they got a playoff spot and and of course you know that naturally leads to to a handful of wins but the sense have been kind of on this tear since like you said mid february yeah it's been 2 months like that's not mid, mid February is yeah. a month into the season. Yep. And I know it's a shortened season, but like the Leafs, the Habs, the Jets, the the Oilers, they are all. I mean, up until recently, the the Flames, they every time they're playing the Sens, they were playing with an intent to get to the playoffs. They they did not have sure. their playoff spot booked. Yep. They they were they were playing to win, and those games were meaningful. <laughs> and a handful of times, the Sens were throwing a wrench into those plans. Yes, they were. Yes. <laughs> if this were any other season. I, I think I would probably chalk this up to, okay, it's the end of the season and this team isn't making the playoffs and there's no pressure on them. So of course they're winning, but it's been more than just the last part of the season. It's been, I would argue the bulk of the season is just, you don't recover from no, the no. like, Oh, and nine that they were at yeah. one point or like the, the Oh nine run that they went on at one point, you don't recover from that. Um, and, and I, I'm not saying that in a regular season, they would make the playoffs, but I'm, I think there's more weight to this winning streak and, and success streak, I guess, yeah. than there would be in other years. Does that make sense? It does. And I think, I think I agree. I don't know how much it's going to mean for me moving into next season when we, you know, you do your predictions and, and all these sorts of things. Um, but, Early on, I was sort of at this, yeah, all right, you get all this energy from all these young guys coming in and like, it's funny, all the veterans get cleared out of the way and finally the team takes off. Um, not really sure that was part of Pierre's plan, but here we are. I think normally I would have written it off a little bit as, as the leaf thing, right? Just for lack of a better term, right? You're just kind of able to, to run out the clock once the pressure's off and, I do think there is a little bit more to it and I, I struggle to figure out what the balance is because I think the familiarity is a big part of what's happening here, but both ways, right? In theory, the Leafs have seen the Sens just as many times, obviously, as the Sens have seen the Leafs. You should have come up with a scheme to be able, if they're crap, to blow them out by now. The fact that you haven't suggests maybe they're not as crap as I thought and slash wanted them to be. And vice versa though, right? Like a team like the senators, who's going to defend and he's going to run that DJ Smith system. 
is going to bog down a team like the Leafs and you'd go, okay, then why doesn't that translate to Edmonton who just blew the doors off Ottawa for nine in a row? And so I'm not sure how much this increased familiarity weighs into it. I don't know if it's just matchups make fights. I don't know if it's the contempt that Brady Kachuk seems to play with against Montreal. I don't know what everything is, right? I don't know. But I I, I said at the beginning of the season, I was going to take anything that happened this year with a grain of salt, um, just given the circumstances. But Ottawa's been better than I would have expected them to be. And that's something I think I'll have to think about more than I would have expected even a month ago. Like they're still doing it, right? Like in theory, once you've been eliminated for a while, or even if not mathematically eliminated, just you know you're out of it. Sometimes you start to phone some of them in and... They just haven't. They've they've stayed on it, and I don't know. I'll be fascinated to uh, to see what that's going to look like. I don't know which of your seven goalies I'm going to see on opening night <laughs> next year, but beyond that, it looked all right. Well, that's the thing. Like I, I think that if this were any other season, and and the Suns had consistent goaltending, right. maybe we'd be having a different conversation. And there's so much that that needs to happen this off season to carry this whatever this is right into next season. Yep. Right. Like they've got to get the goaltender situation figured out. Isn't Matt Murray they're going with and will he be stable? Um, they've got to get Brady Chuck signed. They've probably got to bring in a piece on defense. Like yep. next year is the year for me where this year was a pass. This year was a gimme. For oh the yeah. Sons. You didn't have sure. to win. Yeah. No one expected you to make the playoffs yep. next year. You are expected to at least compete for a playoff spot. Hmm. None of this you're out a month in. You need to be competing until April 3rd, yeah. 2022. We, If you're going to be mathematically <laughs> eliminated from the playoffs, it has to be around that time. It cannot be in November. <laughs> so next year, let me ask you then before, because I know we got real, you know, real, whatever, other stuff to talk about. This wasn't necessarily on the agenda. On April 3rd, 2022, I, I don't know if you have a schedule there in front of you that I'm not aware of, or if you're just estimating. At that point, there should be about a week left in next year's season, we're back in our standard divisions. Are the Ottawa Senators right there nipping at somebody's heels or holding down a playoff spot, knowing that you're back with Tampa, Boston, Toronto, Florida, whether or not this is a one-year flash in the pan for them, what's Montreal going to look like next year? Is Ottawa a year from whatever, from now, are they holding down a spot like that? I think they're at least competing for it okay. because, and, and, and the Montreal thing is the wild card for yeah. me. Yeah. Right. Cause I, I don't know. Like, I don't think Montreal is, if Montreal is going to be a problem for Ottawa next year, Ottawa is going to be able to hang with them yep. and Ottawa is going to be right there with them. Yep. And I could see Ottawa being able to take a playoff spot from Montreal. And right. that's really all they have to do. Right. Boston, Tampa. Okay. Florida is a bit of a wild card as well. And and I don't, I don't think they're a flash in the pan. Right. But I also don't think they're as dominant as they have been this year. Okay. I think we'll, we'll see them take a step back. Uh, You know, Boston's great, but Boston's also old. Boston's old and that blue line is not what it once was. (laughs) (laughs) It's really like, you know, when Mike Riley walked off of Ottawa's third pair and onto Boston's second. Like, I don't know what that means. When, when does Boston finally throw in the towel, start rebuilding and is next year, the year that starts to happen? Cause obviously they're in a, they're, they're going to make the playoffs this year. Yeah, yeah. There's no reason to change anything when you make the playoffs, but is next year, the year they finally realize they have to. And, and I'm not saying it will be, but it, we're getting to that point. Yep. So I think between Montreal, 
Boston's question mark, Florida's question mark, Toronto and Tampa are the two guarantees for the playoffs. I know that. Mm-hmm. I think Ottawa can can probably Get scrounge out a playoff spot from okay. those three teams. Wow. That's optimistic. You heard and it here I know first. I'm probably, <laughs> probably going to regret that. Pandemic optimistic. We're all just looking yeah. for better days, right? <laughs> exactly. Maybe it's the, the Letvik talking. Yes, love that. Um, which, nice. by the way, is quite tasty. All right. Glad to hear it. Enjoying a few the, more uh, sips in now. The, yeah, uh, um, the orange chocolate over here is going down all right too. So, orange chocolate. Oof. Yeah, it's kind of Christmassy or something. I don't know what that is. But. That does. Yeah, it screams Terry's chocolate orange. Yeah. All right. So which was it, always a Christmas gift. That's all right. It's this is tasting all right here. All right. All yeah. right. Well, let's now that we got a couple uh, sips of our beers in yeah. and uh, we're good and relaxed. Let's get uh, raging again. <laughs> let's get upset. Let's get upset. I, I have to say, I raged a little bit about this to my friends today because someone had the gall to bring up the New York Rangers fine right when it happened. Yep. And I was talking to a couple of my friends from work, and we'll get into it, obviously. And I said, okay, I have to go. And then she brought this up, and I talked for 10 minutes straight. <laughs> and I, I think that I was good. I think I got out some of, you know, I swore a lot more there than okay. I am going to here. And, and I think I got out some stuff. So I'm feeling a little more calm. <laughs> Th- this is what I've been wondering today, Matt, and you mm-hmm. can, maybe we can walk through this together. Sure. Where do we start? This is, this yeah. is a long story to, just to set up, to talk about this. Where do we start? Well, I guess, you know, just in case you've been living under a rock this week, um, on, was it Monday night that Tom this Wilson? This is just it. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, this is, this is just it. When, when, what, what is the timeline? Yeah. So yeah. Tom Wilson and, and initially Pavel Bushnevich mm-hmm. from the New York Rangers. I don't want to, I don't want to say they got into it. Bushnevich was face down in the, near the crease. Yes. And Tom Wilson was on top of him and punched him in the back of the head. Yeah. Drove his face into the, the ice. ice. Yeah. So that was good. Pretty cool. Then a brawl ensues and Artemi Panarin steps in and, you know, that's who you expect (laughs) to be jumping to your defense. Uh, He jumps in on, on, I think he jumps on Tom Wilson's back. Tom Wilson kind of basically, I mean, he's bigger than Panarin. He ragdolls him, tackles him to the ice. This is the part where I will say right here, Wilson, maybe in that exact moment, doesn't know who has jumped on his back. He just wants that person badly off his back and yes. does what he has to do. That is the extent of my Tom Wilson defense through this entire thing. <laughs> you can carry on with where this goes from there. Well, so that was the essentially, in a nutshell, the event. Well, I believe and, Tom Wilson left the game. Well, Panarin does have his helmet off as this happens, so that's dangerous when Wilson throws yeah. him to the ice. But then as Panarin gets up, Wilson kind of gives him another body slam, like... He doesn't just. He doesn't let it go. No, he doesn't. And let now it he end. absolutely does know who this person is, and it's not someone who's going to hang in Tom Wilson's, you know, heavyweight league. And as Wilson is escorted to the bench or the penalty box, he's given his tough guy flex, right? And he's not remorseful at all, um, or even just playing it cool. He's kind of giving you your your Hulk Hogan pose, almost, for lack of a better term. <laughs> yeah. So he's not feeling particularly remorseful no and you know none of us know tom wilson as a particularly remorseful guy no and this is where it starts to get interesting believe it or not uh because the (laughs) nhl who is expected to lay down some sort of retribution 
again, the words have less <laughs> left my brain, some sort punishment. of punishment yeah. to Tom Wilson. Deterrent. And they come out with a $5,000 fine. To something which, in the neighborhood of like $80 for the average salary. Exactly. Know, North American human being. Like, it's like, like where's an ATM? Fine, yeah. Find $80. I'll get you your cash. Yeah. Like, like nothing. And if, if he were Pavel Bushnevich or someone who has never been fined or suspended before, I, I suppose you could be like, okay, whatever. And this would have been a, a done story, but this is Tom freaking Wilson. Yes. And apparently this year, like it, it, how, <laughs> how did the repeat offender thing not come in here? Apparently what they were looking at was the Panarin incident yeah. and not the Bushnevich thing, which I, I think the Bushnevich thing was way worse because yes. like this was um, Todd Bertuzzi, Steve Moore crap. Like, like his face was down and he punched him in the back of the head. He yeah. could have seriously hurt him. Yep. But they were apparently they, they were I read something that said like the NHL was focused on the Panarin versus Wilson thing. And it was just like Panarin in, jumped on his back and therefore Wilson was defending himself. And therefore it's not a, a, a suspendable offense. But where does the repeat offender thing come in here? Well, and again, the second slam is not defending yourself. <laughs> like tossing no. him off your back is OK. Like I said, I get it. I don't know who this guy is who's jumped me from behind. I don't know what's about to happen. Get the hell off me. It's dangerous as hell the way he threw him down. But again, Panarin jumped him. After that, when Wilson stays on him, that's not defending yourself now. That's you fucking with... I, I made no such promise not to swear. Uh, <laughs> that's where Tom Wilson jumps the line again, right? And apparently they deemed it not suspendable. You know, if, if in the game... They hand out a, you know, a five minute major and a game misconduct and the Rangers in that moment have a chance to capitalize and it's anyone but Tom Wilson. You go, okay, justice done, right? That's sort of, I, I didn't think there was anything, you know, he, he clearly lost it, right? He's, he's gone after two guys. He's flexing. He's whatever. He's become unhinged. He's emotional in that moment. That's not a defense. That's actually, in his case, like, see, look at this guy. You can't trust this guy to to keep it together. But if it's anyone else, I'm kind of like, I'll I'll accept the fine. This wasn't crazy. It's only this crazy. I'm sorry, because it's him and people are telling me online that's a double standard. Yes, it is <laughs> because you've built yourself a nice little reputation and now we get to judge you based on that reputation. Why have the repeat offender right. aspect of punishments if you're not going to use it when someone is a repeat offender? Right. That's what I really don't get. And this, I'm going to say this several times while we recount this story. Yeah, because we're still only this in is where it one. gets interesting. Oh yeah, but like this <laughs> man, we got a long way to go. Yeah, and this is where it gets interesting. The New York Rangers then released a statement yep. because they were not happy. It was a big boy statement fine. too. Oh, it was a big boy <laughs> statement. Should I read the statement? Let's hear the statement. All right. So the New York Rangers said, and I quote, 
The New York Rangers are extremely disappointed that Capitals forward Tom Wilson was not suspended for his horrifying act of violence last <laughs> night at Madison Square Garden. Wilson is a repeat offender with a long history of these type of acts, and we find it shocking that the NHL and their Department of Player Safety failed to take the appropriate action and suspend him indefinitely. Wilson's dangerous <laughs> Wilson's dangerous and reckless actions caused an injury to Artemi Panarin that will prevent him from playing again this season. We view this as a dereliction of duty by the NHL head of player safety, George Peros, mm-hmm. and believe he is unfit to wow. continue in his current role. End quote. Unreal. And this is like, <laughs> Boom. yeah, that's a big statement. Like that's a be, big like, statement. Not like this is unfit in a very different way than I'm unfit, right? Like this is unfit to do your job. This is calling out the league. This guy can't do it. The, and Gary well, does not tolerate that sort of shit. And Gary Batman does not like these things. It, like no. they use horrifying act <laughs> of violence. Did you let, let me be honest? Cause you've, you've made the more Bertuzzi comparison and, and you know, we've talked about everything. Did you find horrifying act of violence to be just, just a little over the top? I mean, <laughs> it's definitely dramatic. Yeah. Especially when you consider horrifying. A lot of people are going to come at me saying like that these are two different things, but like the Rangers have never released this strong of a statement when it came to, let's say, police brutality no. um, of, of of black people and Speaking people of, of color. Horrifying acts of violence. Exactly. Like that is, a you know, George Floyd being murdered by a police officer. That is a horrifying act of violence. Yes. And we didn't see anything that strong from the Rangers no. when all, when when basically every sports organization in the world was releasing at least some mostly terrible statement. Yeah. <laughs> and and the Rangers and I, I don't have it in front of me, but I, someone pulled up the Rangers statement around Black Lives Matter last summer and their statement this week. And there were two very different yeah. things. <laughs> and one we was are very strong. okay with black people living end of yeah. statement. <laughs> Essentially we as far can, as they were prepared to go. Exactly. Exactly. And 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 this is just wow. Like yeah. it, I've I this is a this basically every single person in the hockey world just quote tweeted this and went, Whoa. Yep. Like they, they didn't even know what to make of it. You don't and here's come where after... it gets interesting. <laughs> Sorry, I, I don't want to keep cutting off of no, no, places no, this it. becomes interesting. Um, but yeah, this isn't done. You you make your your passionate pleas for justice behind closed doors, and then you put out a weak ass. We disagree with the NHL's statement and stand behind our player or whatever. You know, we you know hope in the future that the league will take these things. No one comes out and says, "Hey." Your guy, he sucks. Fire him. Nobody does that, right? And it's not like it's the Predators that did it. It's not the Hurricanes that did it. It is, according to Forbes, the most valuable franchise in the National Hockey League. It is the most high-profile franchise in America, for sure, in the National Hockey League. Saying, this sucks. You suck at this. And that never happens. This is extremely noteworthy how strong they were. Um with their with their wording on it tell me where it gets interesting so this is where it gets interesting (laughs) the next day rangers owner james dolan fired rangers president john davidson and gm jeff gorton Hmm. gotta be coincidence right everyone yeah i 
you you got to think were the two incidents related? Right. I'm just putting it out uh-huh. there. We we at this point there has no been no confirmation that the two incidents were related. I even read something that said that uh, Davidson and Gordon hadn't seen the statement until right before it went out, which I call BS. Yes. Um, because I write those statements for a living and nothing goes out the door without like top of, especially that level of a statement. Everyone at the top approves that. Frank Saravalli of TSN reported that they saw it. Um, but as a po- instead of it coming from what you're suggesting as the top of the pyramid, that they didn't see it and some PR person sent it out without their knowing Dolan, the owner of the team was the one who wanted this sent out and they ran hard to distance themselves from it, knowing exactly how Gary was going to react, right? Knowing exactly the old boys club that the NHL is, they wanted no part of this particular statement, but it was the owner who wanted it sent is according to this report from Frank Saravalli. Now there's a bunch of stuff flying around, but to me, that stands to reason, right? That makes a little bit of sense as to why yeah. this may have happened. I wonder the other alternative being, if Sarah Valley's report isn't correct, if Gary didn't call James Dolan and say, look, this isn't okay. This is going to be a problem for your franchise. I'm giving you an opportunity to create a scapegoat here. <laughs> and, and he took it. Maybe the fine was going to be more than it turned out to be. Uh, I know it's about to get interesting when you're going to tell us about the fine coming up that uh, that the league levied, but to fire your president and your GM with three games to go in the season, um, I've seen Friedman and a couple people report that they think there was a good chance Dolan was going to fire those guys anyway at the end of the season, and because of how emotional this got, how maybe they didn't want anything to do with this statement, that he just decided, I don't care how crazy this is, I'm doing it now, I'm firing them. <laughs> Doesn't it seem to you, doesn't it feel, for people who don't know, James Dolan also owns the New York Knicks, and he tinkers with every single thing that that Mm -hmm. franchise does. He makes embarrassing decisions. He's always involved. Doesn't it feel like he woke up on Wednesday morning and went, oh, I forgot. I own a hockey team. I'm going to do some crazy shit over here, too. I didn't, I forgot. The Knicks are doing all right. I'm going to get out of the way there and mess with this hockey thing for a little bit. And, like, looking at this move outside of the events of this week, like, the Rangers are three years removed from releasing a letter to their fans saying, we are in the rebuilding process, and and we're going to tear this thing down and, and, and build it back up. Yeah. And in the process of building it back up, you then tear it down again by firing the people at the top. And it's not like Like this, in my opinion, like, I... They're not going to make the playoffs this year, but they're doing all right. Some of that's lucky. Some of it isn't. Like, they've gotten Capo Caco. They've gotten Alex Lafreniere. They signed Artemi Panarin. They traded for Adam Fox, who's in the running for the Norris this year, if people aren't paying attention. They have Shestyorkin to play goal. Like, they're, they've done a nice job pretty quickly of turning because this. Because Abanajad is doing stuff. Yeah, that's right. Uh, they held on to Chris Kreider. People have mixed opinions on that, but certainly a capable player. Like, I don't know. It seems like they were doing pretty well and just not as fast as crazy ass James Dolan wanted them to do it. But in three years to get like a couple of top picks like that, I, I don't know. Like to me, it feels like they were kind of on an okay path and, and doing not a bad job with this and to just throw it out the window because you're pissed off over 
them not wanting to co-sign your go fuck yourself Gary statement. <laughs> and I would have co-signed it. I loved it. But I, I, I'm sure if I was likely to have a job in the league, I'd have thought twice about it. The way I saw this, like even if, and, and I have no reason to believe what Sarah Valley said isn't true because he's a great reporter and nine times out of 10, what he says is yep. it's put out there for a friggin' reason. Yep. But I have to wonder, like Dolan may have done this. Gary may have given him a call and gone, what the hell was this? Yep. And Dolan, you know, basically lets two guys take the fall for it. Right. Okay, Gary, you want to see some action here? Especially like, if he was going to fire them anyway. Exactly. It's an easy scapegoat at that point. If this was going to happen three games from now, yep. what's three games? Yep. So, I mean, it's it's a weird move. Doesn't make any sense for me to me removed from this incident. But to say that the two are not related at all is just that how if the two aren't related, then wait a couple days before yeah. you do this yeah. because you, you cannot, as a like just functioning human being, <laughs> you cannot do this and think that the two incidents are not going to be paired. Right. Total coincidence. Like wait till the end of the season if you really want to distance yourself from it. But yeah. like, like don't tell me that this is that these two things are not related because why would it happen literally the next day? So I guess we, you know, we should mention where it gets interesting. Oh, and then it gets interesting, <laughs> Matt. So then Wednesday night, the Capitals and the Rangers. We should remind people: Tom Wilson suspend or fined five thousand dollars for yep. his brutal. His act is a horrifying act of violence, not suspended. So Tom Wilson in the lineup Wednesday night when Washington plays. Oh no. The New York Rangers again. Look at this Wednesday night Rangers capitals can't miss hockey, right? Puck drops. (laughs) Three fights break out at the face off circle. It looked like the start of the Royal Rumble. It really did. <laughs> my my favorite uh, like situation here is watching the defensemen because yeah. both sets of defensemen are like, okay, I'm not really getting involved because one of them is Zidane Ochara. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I don't care who you are on the New York Rangers. I'm not getting involved. No. no like, and, if and if you're, Zidane like, Ochara is my b- dancing partner, I'm sitting this one out. And if somehow you missed this, like Screeds is not exaggerating. It's less than a second after the puck is dropped when the whistle is blown because all three forwards on both teams are now fighting. Like they literally dropped the puck. Everybody dropped their gloves and just started going right. And as you said, the defenseman didn't because no one wanted a, any piece of Chara. One of the big guys on uh, on New York was, and I felt bad for him a little bit. If this was as staged as it looked was fighting Carl Hagelin and he's just a speedy little Swede and God love him. Like he's a good player, but like he got punched a couple times, went down and turtled and the guy stood up like, all right, you know, all right. Like Carl Hagelin didn't do shit. I'm not going to keep pummeling this guy into the ice. It was kind of embarrassing, but everybody else had a couple pretty good tilts. And it, 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 it you know, it exaggerated from there because yeah. those weren't the only fights. We, no. I think there was something like six fights six. in the first four minutes or That's something right. like that. Yep. Um, I'm actually, I'm going to try and pull up the total penalty minutes, uh, but we'll, we'll talk about it while, well, while there was another that. fight that went off, you know, not long after that one. And then Tom Wilson jumps on the ice for his first shift and Brendan Smith is, you know, clearly had one eye on him already like knowing it was going to be his line's turn it was going to be whatever and went right over and I, you know Tom Wilson's a big guy Brendan Smith did his best and I, I wonder how much of the Rangers were thinking about this when you talk about the stupid code stuff and what all day 
everyone had been saying, no one's got anybody that can answer this. Nobody's got anybody that can stand up to Tom Wilson, right? Like they're just not built that way. And to just keep hearing what a bunch of pansies you are like all day, <laughs> was probably not easy for some of these guys, even if they know they're not heavyweight fighters. And this is where we will get into, you know, the stupidness of the code and all this stuff. But Brendan Smith, to his credit, went right to him and Tom Wilson's. All right. Like I knew this was coming. I knew I had to, to answer for whatever, again, according to the code. And, uh, so they had a bit of a tilt right into the box. And at some point there's a picture, I think it's up right now at our Instagram at talking audio. There's six caps in the bench all at once. Like, it's not very socially distanced. No, I, I think saying. that's what we captioned it. Like me and my friends after the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. So there was 141 penalty minutes handed out in total in the game. Yeah. And if you go back and you look at the log of penalties, there were five penalties handed out at zero, zero colon zero one into the game. <laughs> like literally one second. Oh, wait, so who got away with nothing? Must've been Carl. Hagelin. Uh, <laughs> one, one of the, one of the New York Rangers. Yeah. It was Carl Hagelin. No, 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 yeah, no. Carl Hag. Sorry, sorry. Carl, Carl Hagelin's with Washington. He, yeah. he got. That's so weird that five, that all three forwards dropped the gloves to fight and five of them got. <laughs> Philip uh, DiGiuseppe right. did not get a, no, wait, he did. Okay, never mind. Here, here was the problem. Oh. I counted wrong. Oh. There were six. Okay, yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> it was pretty clearly three guys on both teams. I'm going like, them. okay, no, him on him. Okay, no, he got a penalty. No, yep. no. Okay, no, I'm an idiot. Okay, let's go on. Um, <laughs> so six penalties, first second of the game, 141 penalty minutes in total, and and this here's where it gets interesting. Mm. It's this is where I think the conversation starts. Is is you know the the code and yeah. you know the old school hockey because they're. It was the commentary around this that really got me. Like I, I admittedly was not watching the game when this started. I was about to watch the Suns game and I was looking at Twitter and seeing what was going on. And I was like, okay, we have to turn it to yeah. the, the caps and, and Rangers game. And, and sure, there's a case to be made that would I have been watching this game otherwise? No, that's nah. fair. That's but fine. that's a shitty argument. I've, I've seen people making it too, right? This- I changed it five minutes later. Yeah. So like, well, like there's and, your argument. And it's just for us. Like hardcore hockey fans are like, what is this chaos? So you go watch it. This mm-hmm. did nothing to grow the game. This did nothing to make ESPN and TNT viewers who are getting the sport yep. next year go, oh man, I can't wait for, this is just because you know what happened as a hardcore hockey fan. You're like, oh boy, I better check this out. Yeah. You think a fringe fan is, is tuning no, into this? No. no. Like it's, it's, it's a terrible argument that yeah. this good old time hockey is good for the game. And there was a lot of like weird commentary about, Oh, the, the hockey IQ of this. No, there was no hockey <laughs> IQ involved in this. This is just goons. Yeah. Like, like this is pointless. And I, I get the Tom Wilson thing. Like you knew that someone was going to drop the gloves with them yeah. that you expected. And yeah. I, I, you know, I'm not a huge fan of that style of hockey, but I get it. Here's where like I get really pissed off this whole argument that, oh, it's more interesting and would you have been watching the game otherwise? Blah, blah, blah. You know what should have been? I, I watched, I watched, I didn't watch the full game. I watched the highlights the next day. Yeah. And in those highlights, I didn't see a single goal. No, it was kind of a dog right? of a game. Well, this was, this was a, hang on, why am I missing? A 4-2 game, Washington over New York. So seemingly nothing crazy. But TJ Oshie yeah. had a hat trick yeah. in his first game back since his dad passed away. That should have been the story of the night. I've had to watch highlights of Brett Favre do the exact same thing for like 20 years on SportsCenter. <laughs> and you're telling me that that TJ Oshie scoring a freaking hat trick the first night after he comes back from his dad passing away 
Yeah, and that's not the story. No one's talking about this. You want to get fans who are new fans, you want to get non-hockey fans into the game, storylines like that, human interest stories, are how you're going to do it. Not fights, not goons dropping the gloves. Stories like that, no one's talking about it. Tell me how this old-time hockey is better for the game. Yeah, no, because you're right. You're right. This in any other night, that would have been the lead story across the NHL. Um, and probably should have been. So TJ Oshie in some regard was robbed of that moment. I, I did giggle a little bit as one of the Rangers, when this was still getting all chippy, like went skating hard at him and kind of gave him the spin around, like you and me next. And then saw who was like, Oh right. Yeah, no, not tonight. Yeah, like, yeah sorry, man. Like <laughs> condolences and then skate away. Um, but you're right. Like it, it shouldn't be that way. I, I, I just, I have a hard time cause I do understand and I always use the same example but you remember I'm sure the the 04 cup final Vinny LeCavalier and Jerome McGinley fought they're not goons they're not whether they were the best player on each team they're captains but we've been going at it for a week now I'm sick of you we've been in the corner together I kind of understand and have no issue with it boiled over and we tried to beat the hell out of each other but when six guys None of them, with the exception of, I guess, it was uh, Hathaway for for Washington, that are known as fighters, all dropped the gloves, and none of them were involved in the incident that took place the last game that we're supposed to be so upset. I I wouldn't call it a staged fight, but it was fairly performative, right? Like, it, it, this wasn't, I can't wait to beat up Carl Hagelin. Like, what, what are you talking about? I understand Brendan Smith grabbing a hold of Tom Wilson and wanting a shot at that. That makes sense to me. It could have been avoided by the league simply giving him a one-game suspension, satisfying the the you know your fans who said that guy needs to to be suspended for what he did, and avoiding the Gong Show the next night in New York. But since they didn't do that, I understand Brendan Smith going, "No, you're going to pay a price for this. Even if I'm not the toughest guy in the NHL, I'm going to make you you know wear that." The rest of it, just stupid, like just absolute garbage that to me didn't prove anything. Like, are we really that mad at the other members of the Washington fourth line who weren't even on the ice when Tom Wilson sucker punched Buchnevich and body slammed Artemi Panarin? No, it's just the code. This is what we're supposed to do. Well, that's stupid. That's exactly The code, I hate the code. I'm so (laughs) sick of the code. The code is this stupid, arbitrary set of rules that no one knows exactly what it is, but they only use it when it's convenient to them. And I I hate it. This get that crap out of hockey and you might have a chance growing this game. And I know like the, the, you know, barstool sports people (laughs) would probably hear that and tell me I'm not a real hockey fan. There's a section of hockey fans listening right now that aren't happy with either anything we're saying, but but we yeah. should mention where it gets interesting <laughs> is Pavel Butchnevich cross checks, high sticks, whatever you want to call it. Oh, and I forget now who on Washington, he, but he buried it his, Lars Eller? It was, um, no, Lars Eller was the one that was saying that, uh, Tom Wilson is fine and everyone just pays too much attention to him and you should just leave yeah, him alone. It doesn't matter, but he buries his stick in somebody's face. And of course, 
was called to the, you know, he's going to have a hearing. He was thrown out of the game. And Anthony Mantha. Anthony Mantha. Again, anything sure. but a tough guy. Um, had nothing to do with what happened. But Bucinevich is one of the victims of Tom Wilson's victims of his uh, horrific act of violence. And the game is boiling over to a point where Pavel Bucinevich does something stupid that in a million years, if the game hasn't already taken this turn, and if Tom Wilson is suspended and all these things, he wouldn't have done it. The game just goes on and you play it and everybody, it's a little chippy probably, but it's nothing crazy. And now, Pavel Buchnevich is going to be suspended for this cross check to the face of Anthony Mantha. And again, nuance people, he should be suspended because that was a dirty ass thing to do. But Tom Wilson got a $5,000 fine and Pavel Buchnevich is about to be suspended for the rest of the season. Hardly seems like consistency or like real justice, if you wanted to call it that. It's just a mess that they created no. themselves. Exactly. And and what I love is the NHL, first of all, not acknowledging that any of this happened. If you looked at their website this morning, it was all focused on TJ Oshie, which yes. I'll give them props for because I just said that should have been more of a story. Yep. yep. But they like they did not acknowledge, aside from on the the box score of the game, writing down the penalties. By the way, they did not minutes. acknowledge any yeah. of this. No, and they created it. If and Tom they Wilson like had, it, of course they do. They just can't admit they like it. They could get rid of this if they wanted to. They don't. They no. they won't ever. That's why they keep hiring people like George Peros, who we all know the role he played Fighter, in this league yes. as well, the the. Uh, Department of Player Sa- the head of the Department of Player Safety. Yes. I, I just, I'm blown away. I, I got to tell you that, you know, I guess it was 2011 when Mario Lemieux as a team owner, and he had said it many times as a player, said, this has gotten stupid. You need to take care of superstars. And that's when they hired Brendan Shanahan to come in and run the Department of Player Safety. <laughs> and he was cracking down hard. And he had the league's support briefly. And then GM started complaining that, it's going to make the game too soft and you can't suspend my guy. I need him for, and eventually they cut the legs out, of, out from under Brendan Shanahan. And that's when he asked to be able to go and do something else. And they went back to, yeah, just bringing in former goons to run Chris the Bronner department of player. Yes. Was working in that. Are you kidding? Give me Paul Korea. Give me Mark Savard. Let's see how they yeah. feel about, you know, bullshit like this. And even if you don't want to totally turn it over to them, one for one. For every George Peros, there's a Paul Correa. And now it's a committee, right? It's a... It's, no, we're going to protect our skilled players. We're going to... Uh, George Peros was involved in selling t-shirts that said, make hockey violent again. That's the guy running your department oh, of player safety? What a oh joke. My God. And so for the... I like the, I like the committee idea, but here's a here's a, you know another layer to that. Maybe stop hiring the same hockey dudes. <laughs> Does it always it's have to be a former player? Yeah. It, it's just this this is what happens when you recycle the same group of old white hockey dudes. Yep. That you that's why well, owners no and GMs can go to so and so and say, Don't suspend my guy. Well, guess what? If it's a third party, I don't give a shit if you think that, care. oh, don't suspend my guy. I'm going to do it. I'm here to do my job. Yeah. Start bringing in external people. Start bringing in new, fresh faces. You don't have to be a former player to understand the game of hockey. 
have a committee, have former players on it, but don't just make it tough guys. Make it guys whose careers were ended because of this crap. No, I think you're right. Like you don't have, I think we'd be a lot better off in some cases if you didn't understand hockey, right? If, Mm -hmm. if I, knowing nothing about what happened, just watched you skate up to somebody and punch them in the back of the head and jump on top of them. I go, that's bullshit. Three games, whatever. I don't need somebody else going, yeah, but you don't understand. He was slashed earlier. And then they had a history going back to a game a year and a half ago. And there was, I don't care. You can't do that suspended, but the GMs don't want it. The league pretends they don't want, like the GMs don't want change is what I mean. They want to be able to police this on the ice and. As long as that's what we're doing, you're going to keep seeing bullshit like you saw on uh, on Wednesday night. And I admit it, as a hockey fan, I got time to watch a fight or two, but that was so performative that it was just, ugh, right? Like you're watching it because it's a car crash, not because you're a big fan of what's happening. Exactly. So someone made the point of, you know, you turn your head on the highway to see a car crash. That doesn't mean you're happy about it. Right. Like... Right. And like Bonk Schmullet put it out there. He goes, the point has never been that fights aren't entertaining. It's the concussions and the brain damage. And exactly. The, are the reason we should be trying to stop this. We all understand that, yeah, it can be entertaining when two grown men go, yeah, I want to fight. But that didn't happen in either of these situations in terms of where this started. Pavel Buchnevich, flat on the ice, didn't decide he was ready to fight. Artemi Panarin, maybe a little bit. He jumped on somebody's back. You're probably going to get bucked if you do that, but... But you like, know. if fights weren't interesting, the UFC wouldn't exist. No. It doesn't mean it's safe. Right. Well, and, 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 let's not get bogged down there. Those are trained fighters with actual rules that, where you can't punch someone in the back of the head and you can't. Yes, because no brain damage has ever occurred. All right, let's not do this. <laughs> but the, the point is, like, Another day. okay, I get fighting <laughs> happens in hockey. I'm uh, There is a part of me that gets excited when I see a fight. That part of me needs to be buried a little bit because... Now that I am a grown ass adult, right. I can no longer watch two grown men give each other CTE. I can't. I'm sorry. Yeah. I if if that is the style of hockey you want to watch, go for it. Fine. I don't I think we are past the point knowing what we know about concussions, knowing what the NHL pretends not to know about concussions. You can't do this anymore. Right. We can't have this kind of hockey. It is not sustainable. I get it. It happens every now and then. But if you if if anybody tries to tell me that what happened on Wednesday night is good for the game, I wouldn't say that. It it is bo- that 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 is absolute. Crap. Like I said, I got time for Brendan Smith on Tom Wilson. The rest of it was garbage. It, that's going to happen. Yeah. That is a natural thing. Yeah, the rest and, of and it was even, crap. Even the opening fights, okay, they dropped the gloves at the first second. Ha <laughs> ha! That's entertaining. <laughs> Move on and start playing the game, please. Right. Like it's, it's the fact that this kept going and going and going yeah. and it, it, it got to the point, like you remember in school when like everyone in the class was acting up and you weren't really doing anything, but you're like, well, I may as well, like just cause everyone else is, that's what you started to see. Like, I don't think Pavel Bushnevich really cared to high stick or, or, or get involved in anybody. It just felt like he was like, well, I haven't done anything yet. So I probably should. Yeah. I was like, on the, that's I'm, not the one, hockey. I'm involved with the start of this. And I don't want to fight, so I'll just cross exactly. someone in the head. I don't know. It's just, I, 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 I get that people can have differing opinions on what is entertaining hockey. And if you find that entertaining, cool. But I just, I do not think it's a good thing. I, I think that 
the better thing for the growth of the game is us talking about what a great moment it was for TJ Oshie, the raw emotion, the, the the fact that sports can bring us these moments versus this crap that you used to see in, in the seventies and eighties. To be fair, he was the only one playing hockey on Wednesday night. He had a good chance. That's very true. <laughs> That's very true. But you know, th- there's a, there's a reason why a lot of the guys playing this kind of hockey in the seventies and eighties are struggling right now and dealing with the the repercussions of this. Like, like after the summer of 2011, how the NHL can still let this happen is beyond me. And that's all I got. (laughs) Uh, There's one more place where it gets interesting. Screeds. Oh yeah. We didn't even mention the fine. Jesus. On Thursday. Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, on, on, on Thursday, the uh, the NHL finally uh, released a fine on the New York Rangers for $250,000 for the statement that they released because, you know, people hadn't already been fired as a result. Um, <laughs> so if you're keeping track exceeding, at home, yeah, if you're keeping track at home and you'd like to do the math, that's $5,000 for punching someone's head into the ice and body slamming them helmetless to the ice or body slamming someone else to the ice helmet list later that's five grand for that say some mean words about our staff is two hundred and fifty thousand dollars yeah that's 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 all you need to know about how the nhl feels about this uh, we did nothing but get, uh, find that guy five thousand dollars um for his horrific acts of violence but we don't like when you criticize us and that's worth two hundred and fifty thousand dollars yep just another Welcome day 1984 people in Gary's fun world. Love it. Uh, that, so, and, and no one expected anything different. You knew the moment you read that statement, Gary Batman is going to come down hard on this. And sure enough, he did. How about the year that the New York Rangers organization has had Oof. back over, I think it was in the fall. They have the, uh, a conversation with, uh, one of their draft picks online, Keandre Miller, and get that that chat gets overrun with assholes who start throwing racial slurs at him. Uh, at the beginning of the season, Tony D'Angelo ends up in a turns brawl. out to be one of those assholes. Well, yes, that <laughs> or could have been, <laughs> and uh, ends up in a fight with their goalie there, Georgiev, uh, because the whole team is sick of his shit. Um, mm-hmm. So he's essentially sent away. Uh, Artemi Panarin is fingered for some really bad shit coming out of Russia, but it turns out in all likelihood, it's only because he's been so openly critical of Putin and they, they don't like that. You don't get to speak out. And so, uh, he took a leave of absence to kind of make sure his name was going to be cleared and that, you know, everyone knew what was what, um, before returning. And, and, you know, when that was resolved, and then, you know, this whole debacle with Tom Wilson and then firing their president and general manager has not been a particularly smooth season around the Rangers. Really hasn't. Like, I. And it's only been 56 games. Like, there should is, be yeah, 20 it's to been go. a shortened <laughs> season. Like, oh my God. It's felt like eight years for Rangers fans. Yeah. Whew. Quite well, a year. yeah. But anyway, that about wraps up the. Uh, 18 chapter story that was this week. That's for where the, things stop getting interesting. 
Oh my God. <laughs> I was thinking about that today. I was like, how are we even going to talk about it? I don't think I can follow it. No. But here we are. Oh, one more thing I wanted to add. Sure. My favorite part of this week was what does random X enforcer think about uh. the Tom Wilson situation? You know whose opinion I absolutely do not care about when it comes to anything related to hockey and in particular fighting and hockey. It's gonna be, I know it's gonna be Matt Cook. It's Matt Cook. And John Scott, but yeah. Matt Cook in particular. I was thinking I about this. Not, I ripped John Scott on this show with you a while ago, and I couldn't remember what for. I went looking for the video. <laughs> the Carlson comments, I think. Oh, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, fuck John Scott. Just because of the way he said something about Carlson, it was just very, like, Smug. judgy. Like, dude. Yeah. You're the you know, only reason culture, the Sharks went bad. That was what it was. It was, he yes. was the only reason. Anyway. And then he made a comment about his hair. <laughs> hockey culture, there's so many things about hockey culture that are bad. Yeah. And one of the things, the more superficial things that just drives me nuts about hockey culture is the vocabulary around this sport. Is it living in your head rent-free? Mm, every day. <laughs> every day I hear, rent I'm going to say, it's, it's dripping with douchery. Yes. Right. Oh, this is sick, Sally, bro. <laughs> and every time I hear so John Scott talk, fan, eh? uh, no, no, I my eye twitches when I hear anybody, any like any hockey player, any male hockey player speak, and a lot of hockey fans are the same way. It's just Sally and Twig and Bucket and <laughs> Mitts, sick Mitts, bro. Like say the word. How Clubs, about how about hands. the how about the clip at the very beginning? Of the pod, Jason Spezza. Good to be back in the barn, eh? No, eh? I got no. I got a pass for Spez. He, he. I love Spezza, <laughs> but like, it, if I hear someone say the word "selly," yeah. I immediately my personal opinion of them decreases. <laughs> And I know people listening to this are going, "Oh my god, I've said "selly" in front of her." Like, I I have had this conversation. Of course, I'm kidding to a certain extent. To a certain extent. But it is the worst. It is the worst c word in the English language. I'll say. Oh that. wow! Wow! Yeah. It is the worst. Oh my I'll goodness. say it's one of the worst words on the planet. Okay, but I can't. I can't give it that. No. It is the worst c word on okay. the in the English language. Is it even worse than Chris Kunitz? Okay, you know what? Now you're just being hurtful. Yeah. This is not Michaela's trip down PTSD lane. Okay, we brought up Matt Cook. Let's not do that. Oh, it's not anyway, persons who person whose opinion I do not care about for anything, yeah. let alone violence in hockey, is Matt Cook. Right. And oh, I couldn't all, believe. And it. it felt like every headline was. What does John Scott think of PJ Tom Wilson? Stock. What does like all these? And you're like. I don't care. Right. A piece of shit did something. Let's speak to some other noted pieces of shit. And what's happening? <laughs> How are you feeling the next day if it's your phone that's ringing for the first time in six months from a media outlet going, hey, we'd like your opinion on this. Like, oh, okay, cool. And when you start to step back and go, wait, why do they want to talk to me when Maybe something ugly just happened? <laughs> no, for sure. Brendan Prust was another one. You're like, I don't care what crazy ass Brendan Prust thinks. Oh like. God, no. Yeah, he's right up there with Matt Cook of people who like I see their name and I log out of whatever website I am on. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. No more Brendan <sighs> Prust TikTok. No, please, God. No. Anyway. Yeah. Now that we've gotten through that, do you have any other thoughts on it? 
no, like this is we we've we've it's too much. Yeah, we've gone to we've gone over it with a fine tooth comb. But like you said, there's a there's a hundred pieces to it. How it starts, what that means, then how the league drops the ball and sets up the Wednesday. It was a mess. It was a completely avoidable mess. And even if you didn't think unfathomably that this didn't deserve a suspension, you just do it because it's Tom Wilson and you would have prevented the mess on Wednesday night. You just don't even look at it. Right. Like, like you yeah, should no, see Tom gone. Wilson did something we need to review. Okay. So that's going to be a you suspension. You don't get the benefit right? of the doubt. You're, when this you're, is the repeat offender yes. thing. Yeah. Why have it if you are not going to use it? And I get like a while ago, there was some kind of statute of limitations on the repeat offender. Like it was after five years or something, it no longer applied. Like it was this season. Yes. No, exactly. <laughs> the last time he was suspended. And if you, you want to ignore that one, okay, I'm pretty sure he was suspended last season at some point. Right. Like he, he has been suspended on a regular basis for this crap for years and yep. and we're just going to pretend like yep. this is a brand new situation and we're going to look at this with fresh eyes and in isolation because there is no context and there is no history and tom wilson there is, no is innocent there is no hope <laughs> there's no future oh. for the nhl this is it honestly anyway i i feel like i've exhausted my brain of of talking about this i've got i have nothing left in me it's just so depressing be Would better nhl be more consistent please and th- that's fair. Anyway, yeah. Would you say it was a challenge on, to talk about this? It was a challenge. Something but like the challenge. Cup. I don't. Oh, I, don't, I was just going to get it. No, I, I did say, it first. I don't Fine. think. <laughs> I don't think it was enough of a challenge that I could win anything for it. Okay. But you know who may win something in the Challenge Cup this weekend? Christine St. Clair, possibly, of the Portland Thorns. Nice. Or Gotham FC, New Jersey, New York, Gotham FC. I, I like that. I like golf. So like, in I like case you don't know what we're talking about, um, the NWSL Challenge Cup final is this weekend. Mm-hmm. So for anybody looking to watch, uh, you know, Canada's hero, Christine St. Clair, play soccer, this is your freaking opportunity uh, because she is obviously a member of the Portland Thorns who is taking on Gotham FC uh, Saturday, 1 p.m. on CBS if you're in the States and on Twitch anywhere else. So obviously here in Canada, we, we need to watch it on Twitch. But mm-hmm. all you have to do is go to the NWSL's website and it you literally just click on Twitch and it opens it for you. It's very easy and you can stream the game there. Uh, so this, I think it's going to be a really exciting weekend. They're, they're allowing fans in the stadium um, because the restrictions have been loosened in Oregon where the game is taking place. So they're going to be able to host uh, 3,800 fans. Okay. Um, giving obviously the thorns. I think I'm with the, their rate of vaccination. I think I'm probably all right with that. And it really seems like America's just, done with COVID. The like they're like open. yeah they're like okay we're done yep. like you know we've got <laughs> enough vaccines sure we'll i'm, I'm just gonna pretend it's fine because they've obviously exceeded us in vaccines and yeah we are not to judge them anymore oh, at this point anyway yeah okay. <laughs> but this specific temporarily thing, yeah <laughs> we can judge them about many things yeah no i plan to return to my same level of smugness towards america as soon as i get fully vaccinated <laughs> yeah absolutely no, I, this will be interesting i you know, Christine Sinclair, perhaps the most underappreciated athlete in Canadian sport. And I know every four years, you know, when a, a Women's World Cup or an Olympic Games roll around, you know, we all remember who she is and everything. But, you know, a, a set that we talked about this when we did the Brew Marsh back in December, right? She had set 
uh, an all-time international goal-scoring record. And I don't think any of us ended up giving her the Brew Marsh last year because it was more of a cumulative award than one big breakout season. But when you think about going up against the entire world and leading that world in goal scoring, it's pretty friggin' impressive. And so we haven't heard very much from the Canadian women's soccer team, like so many uh, international teams because of everything that's gone on. So I think it'd be cool to, uh, to get a look at her in a, you know, a league environment going for a championship. It's been a while. And, and that's just it. Like a lot of us, I think a lot of people innocently. So like, we're all guilty of this. We get more into certain sports when they're on an international hey, stage. I'm, I love that. Whatever that is. I love that. I all of a sudden become like a snowboarding lingo yes, expert during exactly. the Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> like, never, you will oh, never hear me. You talk don't like, that like hockey lingo. <laughs> Uh, Snowboard yeah, lingo is going to be no curling's. Problem. I think I've talked about this on the podcast before. Curling's the same way. I will never watch curling outside the Olympics, but the Olympics start, yeah. and I'm like, uh, I don't even. Oh, I can't anything. even pull it out. I'm a like, synchronized diving expert. All of a sudden, yeah. it's like, oh, talk too soon. Like, <laughs> yeah. If he thinks he's getting out of this without the hammer, I'm telling you. Yeah. Exactly. I, I will watch lawn darts if it, if it was an Olympic sport. And, and, and I think a lot of people want to watch this sport outside of the Olympics, especially yeah. t- like, like women's soccer has grown so much at the international level and specifically here in Canada. And I think people just don't always know where to look. And, and this is your opportunity Saturday, 1 PM, literally online. You don't even need to have cable. I know for all the cord cutters out there, <laughs> you literally just need to go to the NWSL's website, click on Twitch and it'll open it for you. And you get to watch Christine St. Clair, who hopefully we're going to get to watch in the Olympics at some point this year, mm-hmm. um, provided they happen safely. Yeah. Uh, you know, who knows if this is the last Olympic she's in. Yeah. Right. And, 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 and I don't think it's going to be her last, hopefully God, uh, year in the NWSL, but you know, she's, she's getting to that point in her career where you're like, Jesus Christ, is this, is this it? And, and you want to watch her wherever you can because she's spectacular and she is the best female soccer player on the planet, arguably the best soccer player on the planet. And, and this is your chance to watch her this weekend. So I hope people tune in. Time catches up with everybody. So we are, we're not going to have her forever. So it's, uh, it's time to keep an eye on it. There was one last thing I wouldn't mind touching on before we wrap sure. this up. And that was the handling of George Springer by your Toronto Blue Jays, who uh, decided last week, believe it was Thursday, maybe it was Wednesday, could be wrong. But one day they decided he's just not quite ready. He's not comfortable. He, he re-aggravated the quad a little bit running. We're going to hold him out. You go, okay. And then the next day he was in, but as a DH. And I sort of was like, if he tweaked it yesterday, like, I don't know about this, even a DH, because I get why they didn't put him out in center field where you're running shit down all the time, but you're still going to have to bust your ass out of the box. Or if you're on second and somebody hits a single and you're expected to get home, right? Like there isn't, it's not like there's no sprint as a DH. And so he plays two games. I think it was Friday, Saturday. Sunday, he comes up lame. He's not comfortable. Uh, the Blue Jays tell us was fatigue, leg fatigue. So he wasn't going to mm. play. Like, maybe. All right. Uh, Monday, he's not in the lineup. And so they tell us this was a scheduled day off. He was never going to play Monday. And you're like, all right, fair enough. Tuesday, 
still not back in the lineup. You know, we're going to send him for an MRI and just see what's up. And then on Wednesday, yeah, no, he's going back on the IL. It's pretty bad. And I just wonder, I, I feel bad for Charlie Montoyo because he's clearly one of those managers here in baseball now that's just the front man for a front office that is making all the decisions. Um, and he's the guy who gets to come out and get blasted by the fans and media or, or whatever, but they communicated this poorly and they handled this poorly. Like, I don't want to see George Springer again until he's ready to start in center field. He's good to go or he's not like to me, no DHing, no what. And that's not to say he can't DH at all this season, but you're good to play. Or you're not. You can't be screwing around with the guy you just gave the biggest contract in franchise history to. Like, this is a mess. Yeah, that that's just it. It's not just the, the handling of of any player. And listen, everyone's health and, and safety matters equally, obviously. But you just spend a lot of money on this Yeah. Player. And like, like, I'm sorry, you handle that with kid gloves. Right. It, th- that person gets injured in training camp. Guess what? You're going to be cautious as hell with them <laughs> because you have a lot of money riding on them. And it is better to have them sitting on the IL for, let's say, another 10 games <laughs> than risk them coming back and being out for another 30. Like, who well, knows? And so as he's DHing and, you know, his first at bat, I think he strikes out or whatever. But like there was a stretch where like then he cranks a 470 foot home run that hit the school next door to their little spring training park where they're playing. You're like, oh, I see what you're doing, right? I can't run. So I'm either going to strike out, I'm going to walk, or I'm going to crush bombs that I can trot around the, uh, the base. There was no like, you know, legging out a single or whatever might be going on. It's just concerning to me that like, it seems to me if he wasn't ready last Wednesday, he probably wasn't ready Thursday either to just DH, right? Be cautious, wait till he's actually ready to fully play and then stop dicking with us for the last week after no one's buying it. No one's buying that. He just came off the DL and then he had a scheduled off day and then it was just fatigue. And then it was, you can't treat your fans like that. First of all, you can't treat your players like that. Clearly. But you can't treat your fans like that. There are smart baseball fans in this market that see right through it. And I I, I can't believe we're, we're doing this again. Uh, just before you and I started recording here on Thursday evening, uh, the Blue Jays announced that he's likely to miss more than the 10 days that he's uh, scheduled to be on the IL. It will be longer than that. So, uh, you know, who knows when we're going to see him again. But I don't want to see him again until he's standing in center field. He's got to be ready to go or he's not ready to go. There's no more halfway here. I'm, I'm with you a hundred percent. Um, you be as cautious as you can with this. This is a player who you are spending a lot of money on. And this is a player who could make a huge impact on your team. If healthy, that's the key. Him at DH, you know, playing at 60 or 70% is not going to get you very far. You're not paying for that. Wait until he is a hundred percent and can give you what you brought him in to do. Yeah. You know, George Springer near the end of the season when potential there's playoff race is a hell of a lot more useful than George Springer. Not a hundred percent healthy right now. Yeah. No. And that's it. Like, like I guess the best they can do is just kind of keep hanging around 500. Just do your best. Right. They're also, you know, you got to get Ryu back. You got to get Pearson back. Like, 
I, I am happy that they're, you know, they're making it. They're making a go of it. They swept the Braves over the weekend, got to two games over 500, lost two in a row to Oakland. You were probably in bed for that. Um, yep. And then one again on Wednesday. Uh, they're probably just wrapping up here as we're, as we're talking right now. I haven't seen the score in that one. But, you know, hanging around 500, just a little bit over, just a little bit under. And I guess just try and survive until you get everybody healthy. But, man, I, I think they've botched this in terms of you know, when they let him come back in and whether it was because he was so excited to go or they knew the fans anticipation or whatever was happening there, they've bungled it both from a player standpoint and then a communication standpoint. And you can only do that so much because people see through it really fast. Exactly. The Jays have been so weirdly inconsistent this season. I think it's hard to know what to make of them, right? Like they, they swept the Braves over the weekend. They're up 10-4 over the A's right now. Nice. Like you've seen these offensive bursts from them, Vladdy's grand slam and hat trick. Yes. And then you've seen just absolute duds. <laughs> you've seen the pitching be okay. And yeah. then like completely ineffective. And I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to get a sense of what this team is. I think they're still trying to figure that out. And, and obviously not having your star player, um, is certainly going to impact that. And maybe that's part of the pressure that was on them to like, you know, just get this guy I think so. in, in the clubhouse and in the dugout yeah. and like with the guys and, you know, bonding with the team. But like, you know, if that's going to compromise his overall health and, and, and how quickly he gets back, then it's not worth it. What are you making of Robbie Ray's super tight pants? It's, <laughs> it's become a thing. A lot of people on the interwebs noticing the, uh, the pantaloons that Robbie Ray is going with. Do you have a take there? I'm not sure quite what's happening. It's about as tight as his fastball last night, actually. Oh, there you go. Yep. Um, I have to choose my words carefully because no matter what I say, it will be used against me yeah. in a court of law because yeah. I am a straight woman. And therefore, I am not allowed to have opinions right. on the physical appearance of male hockey, of male athletes. Uh, of any kind I'm allowed though, uh, because right? it will man. haunt me oh yeah no anybody else looking is. good Robbie. anybody looking else good, is al- <laughs> pulling it off <laughs> <laughs> you everyone is allowed to have opinions on the um uh appearances of of male athletes except for women All right. uh, because it, it compromises our integrity apparently because you're only watching um, because of his tight pants is that the exactly story? Right. exactly there, That's last night came and start till 9 45 i was only watching because of his tight pants <laughs> they're gonna be this tight this time there they are look at them all right look at them go well now i'm curious yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that's it though. You gotta stay up late. It's Blue Jays after dark. That's oh. late night television. <laughs> that that is Blue Jays after dark. Yeah. Um see that's gonna be isolated one day. It's not as dangerous as what I've thrown down. I'm digging the pants. I'm, I'm always blown away. Like sometimes I look at at, at ba- just baseball uniforms in general and and like it it I I I wonder, and this is, I come from a sport of hockey where like nothing I wear in hockey would ever be naturally worn elsewhere. No, no. But, but baseball players, like, you know, they're wearing pants and shirts and belts, right? Like <laughs> a lot of, I, I'm always blown away by like, how do you get, how do you, how are you comfortable in that? Like, I, I can't imagine oh, sprinting. I always love CC Sabathia. 
Like he that looked comfortable. He had almost like bell bottom style pants on. Like yeah, he was a baby. big man or whatever. But he looked like like those looked like pajamas you would wear to the Playboy Mansion. Like Sabathia <laughs> looked comfortable to me. He was just going out there doing his thing. Um, they they looked almost silky on him. I, I don't know. I think he was doing all right. Like if you're no gonna Robbie ask Ray, me but. to no, if you're gonna <laughs> ask me to run bases, like you better give me track yeah, pants, yeah, no man. No belts. <laughs> no, I'm not running in a belt. Who was it? It wasn't Big Poppy. It was uh, the guy whose nickname was Big Sexy, and I can't remember his name. Kevin Nash? Uh, I think so. <laughs> the wrestler? Yes, exactly. Yeah, that was Kevin Nash, seven feet tall. And... No, who was, the, who was the baseball player named Big Sexy? Oh, I, I don't can't remember. remember. I think he played for like, uh, I, you know, I'm not even going to try. Yeah, right. um, <laughs> I don't know but I remember, he, I remember seeing highlights of him at bat, and every time he's a bigger dude, obviously, yeah. like like picture uh, big poppy right. kind of size. Yeah. And every time he swung, his belt came undone <laughs> <laughs> because the friction yeah. <laughs> in his stomach. And and it was like every, there was an at bat where literally every swing it was pop. <laughs> and I always thought, how does that ha- not happen more often? Because like, all right, especially after the pandemic, man, you put a tight yeah. belt on anybody. I think and there's a lot of people quickly. that are going to be going through that here in the next little while. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not cool. No. Uh, so, so you know what? Uh, th- my opinion is good for him okay. for wearing tight pants right now because none of us are. Yeah. But, but listener, know that Michaela's going to go and find the highlights from last night as soon as yeah, the pod's well, over. <laughs> I mean, only in the name of research. Yes, you got to know what's happening. It's a, it's exactly. become a big story on Blue Jays Twitter. I can't watch late night games. Yeah. It's past my bedtime. And then we podcasted during this isolated afternoon game <sighs> sorry about that to be fair the the afternoon games don't do me any favors either because every time i say oh it, there's an afternoon game i'm gonna put that on while i work something happens at work and i'm just too busy and i forget so <laughs> afternoon games don't help me either fair enough well, check out anyway, Robbie Ray's pants like a, next time through the there, rotation yeah there you go there's your research title, for this week kids Robbie Ray's pants Robbie Ray's <laughs> pants you heard it here first, folks. All right. I think that's a pretty good place to wrap this up. What do you think? Agreed. I mean, we're talking Agreed. about Robbie Ray's pants. We've probably beaten this to death. Yeah. There's after after the Rangers Capitals discussion, it was like it's we can't spent. do anything else serious yeah. here. It's true. Like this is just too much. <laughs> too much energy. Uh hopefully you're still sticking around after after God, our conversation. You. Lord knows. Um, I'm sure I'm sure we lost a few of you, but that's okay. Thank you for sticking <laughs> around. Thank you as always for listening. We so appreciate it. Uh you can always find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Tall Can Audio. You can find me on Twitter at Shrides, S-C-H-R-E-I-D-S, or on Instagram at Crafted in the Capital where you will see uh, Let's Vic at some point from Ridge Rock. I'm sure I will post that there. Sprock Vic. Uh, and Sprock Vic. And that's as good as it's going to get. All right, we will see you next time on Talkin' Audio. Chris Kunitz Selly. Did you see that? Yep. There's an hour you're never getting back. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I'd like to take this chance to apologize. To absolutely nobody. The double champ does what the f- he wants. Okay. I'm going to call that a wrap. You can find tons more TCA at tallcanaudio.com. But I'm bummed.